God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to Yes, I 
enough to get rid of some of the darkness in your corner? Let me hear it this morning. The demons tremble at the name of Jesus. I want you to know that today. There is not a darkness that he can't, he can't disperse this morning. Hallelujah. Your only son, no sin to sent him to your side to walk upon this guilty side and to become the Lamb of God. The gift of love they crucified, they laughed and scorned.
soon we'll hear the call to rise to worlds unknown and when the time has come the lord will leave his
you up long so I'm going to get right to it. Uh, if you got your Bible I want you to open up to the book of Exodus. One of the uh, <clears throat> the days that we're living, the times that we're living, the heartaches that's going down, the dysfunctional country that we live in. A lot of things are going across our news, going across our schools going across all kinds of places, and we know that we're living in a bad time, in a hard time. God is not worried a bit about any of it, and we shouldn't either. We're the children of God. But God laid something on my heart this week that I want to mention, and it's not for a hard, it's not a hard message as far as not coming down against anybody and not saying anything about uh, anybody's uh, coming short of anything other than I want you to hear that God is greater than all the things that we see. He is the God of all ages. And what God woke me up with was this. He is supernatural. We are natural. And you know, one of the hardest things, and you read in the Bible, and one of the hardest things to get across today, because the church, if it's doing anything, it's straying back into the natural. Man's doing for God what needs to be done. And God is not behind what they're doing. And I'm not their judge, and I'm not trying to be a judge on anybody else. I'm trying to tell you that we have to stay what God has said. We have to stay the course. And the course that he has set does not say, man, you go do it. Now, I know we're called to go out and witness to the world. We're called to go. But what God has called you for, God has equipped you for. What he gave and put inside of you is what you're carrying to this world. And the church is not supposed to come up with some kind of program or some kind of gimmick to figure out how to draw people to the church. No, that's not. You know what we got to do is follow him in obedience and he will do the increase of anything that's going on. I don't care what ministry you think you got. I don't care what gift you think you got. I don't care what uh, deals that's going on inside of your mind. Let me tell you, when you come to the end of yourself and you say, Lord, it takes you to do the increase, 
then you can come to a place where all of a sudden, and, I, and I'm going to say it, you know what? God's not going to share his glory. He's not going to share that glory with something else you idolize, including people. It's God. And I want to bring it back to something because I'm going to get through this real quick. But I want to start with a little story of Moses again. And I want to tell you, I'll just tell you about it because you've heard it many times. Moses is uh, tending the sheep. And he's on the other side of the mountain and he's tending sheep. And he sees a burning bush up in the hill. And he makes up his mind one day, I'm going to go and see what that bush, why it's burning and it's not burned up. So he turned and when he went that way, that's when God said, now I can talk to you. I mean, here's what I'm saying. See, you got to turn toward God when God has lit up something in your life. And there's not a Christian here. If you're a true Christian, somewhere along the line, God got your attention. Now, back then, you got to say to yourself, well, God never lit me up a bush somewhere that I had to go see what, why it was burning. This was something that's changed since the Old Testament or since way back. It's like you look at it like, well, how come God didn't do this or do that? How come he doesn't do spectacular things? Because number one, he wants you to take him by faith. He wants you to believe his who he is. That he will reveal himself to you. See, I think some, sometimes Christians think, I just got to uh, join the church. I just got to write my name down. I just got to go up and do what they tell me to do. No, you need to find God. Finding God means I need to hear from him and then I need to walk to him. And that's what Moses did in that, and it ain't changed. In a sense, it ain't changed. God's still working the same way. But the bush was lit up. You know the story. I'm going to read two verses of it. It says this. It says in the sixth verse, and he said, Draw not hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou stands is holy ground. When Moses got there and he walked up to this burning bush, God stopped him and said, this is holy ground. How many knows the natural has met the supernatural? Let me see what I'm talking about. The natural man has met up with a supernatural God, and only he can create this Opening door for you and I. Only he. But he came to Moses that day and he lured him, drawed him to him. And when he came up there, and then it says in the sixth verse of that third chapter, it says, moreover, he said, that, listen, God's introducing himself to Moses. How many knows the day you got saved? I didn't know for sure if there was a God or not. I would watch him in other people. I'd watch other people and think, well, they must have been just born that way. They get happy. They get excited. They jump around. They do things. and I, Well, they just must have been raised that way. No, I want to tell you something. Something happens inside of you that all of a sudden you're somebody you ain't. I've met a lot of Christians that I knew them before they were Christians. And I'm going to tell you something. They're a new person. You may not see it. You may think they just grew up in that. But that's where you've got to understand God is using people to draw you to him. But it says here, 
Moreover, God said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Moses has been, had an encounter with God here. How many seats? Now, I want you to think about your encounter. How want you think about the day you met Jesus? How want you think about the time in your life when God began to work on you and he began to draw you to him? And you knew there was something there. You couldn't understand it. You wanted to have it. You wanted what they had, but you didn't know how to get it. You thought, that's just them, not me. But how many knows the Holy Spirit began to do a work in you? And he began to draw you to him. Amen. This is what I think is somewhat where the church is backed away from. We got to be the people that portrays that God is in us. He has made a change in us. And that we are to show him in our lives so others will see him and want to be like him. And that's the way God is reaching people. God's not doing miraculous things like lighting up the sky and pointing over here and putting a star and leading people over here and looking over. No, he's using people. But it's God doing it. On down in the 19th chapter, and I want to read this for a reason. It says in the 19th chapter, verse 9 said, The Lord said to Moses, They've already went, He's already went and delivered them out of Egypt. And how many miracles knows that God has did? People thought it was just Moses. They thought, boy, Moses is the hand of God. Moses is doing everything, and he was. To them, that's all they saw. But how many knows God wants a personal walk with you? He wants to introduce himself personally to you. If you're here today, and I praise God you're here today, and I praise God if you come to church here. But can I tell you something? We want you to meet Jesus. We're not trying to portray you to come here and sign your name and send your money and, and be a part of this little body and that's going to get you to heaven. No, you need to be a part of who Jesus is. He's the one that paid the price. Him and him alone. There's nobody here can save you. I can't save my children, can't save my grandchildren, but I know the one that can. It said, the Lord said to Moses in the ninth chapter of Exodus 9th verse lo I come to thee in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with thee and believe thee forever on down in the 16th verse it says and it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there was thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled how many knows God showed up? God told Moses, you get the people and get them and come to this mountain because I want to talk to the people. I want to introduce myself to the people. If, we're, if you're going to be the children of God like Israel was the children of God, how many knows he didn't want them to go through Moses. He wanted them to know it wasn't Moses, it was God. It was the power of God in Moses. That he used him. But I'm going to tell you something. Everything in this life, and you see it, Christian. 
Everything, the 12th chapter of Hebrews tells it, everything in this world that can be shaken is being shaken. And if you ain't got your foundation upon Christ, guess what? You're going to fall with them, and your thought pattern's going to fall, and all your ideals are going to fall. And everything's going to come up short. But if you hold on to Jesus, he said, I am coming back for you. Amen. There ain't nothing this world can do about it. The price has been paid. He calls me. He knows my name. And he'll call my name one day. And I'm going home to be with Jesus. And I ain't nobody. I'm, I'm one of these kids from Northside. I ain't nobody. It's like, what, Bethlehem. Or Nazareth, who anything good come out of Nazareth? I don't know if anything good come out of Northside. My father and mother was pretty good, but they're at past that. The rest of us are struggling. You know what? We're trying and striving to be like Jesus, because only He makes a difference. No matter where you come from, it goes on to say in the seventeenth verse of nineteen. It says, "And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp." To what? To meet with God. Moses didn't do this on his own. God told him to go do it. I want you to bring the people here to meet me. And he said, and they stood at the nether part of the mount, and Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke. It was lit up. Smoke was coming up out of it. Almost like you see smoke coming out of a furnace. It just pouring out of there. And I don't know about you, but when I went to church that night, I didn't want to look toward the front. I wanted to hide behind somebody. Because, see, I was under conviction. I knew God was there. And I knew I needed to be saved. And I'd already wrestled with the fact that I wasn't saved. And I'd already been convinced that if I died tonight, I'd go to hell because I had never been saved. And I was only a 13-year-old kid. But, see, that was my time that God was speaking to me. And I remember hiding behind a man named Charlie Smallwood. And I kept saying, and I've told this a thousand times, but can I tell you, I kept saying, if they just don't sing another, another verse and chorus, I'll get out of here. But they started singing that one more verse and chorus. And just about that time, this Charlie Smallwood turned around and he put his arm around me. I was a tall kid for 13 but when he put his arm around me, he didn't say nothing other than Jesus loved me. He knew. He didn't even have to look back. He could feel it. He knew I was under conviction. And you know what? I began to melt. I began to just surrender, give up right there in my seat. I said, I can't take this. And I took off my little leather jacket or a little, it was blue really, it wasn't leather. It was the nearest thing that I could afford to a leather jacket. It had zippers all over. That's what I thought it was cool. So I took off my jacket and I went up. I didn't even know how to pray. I just kept saying, God, I will. I'll serve you, Lord. I'll serve you. God forgave me. Started me on a journey. And I tell you, I failed him a thousand times since then. But he started me. And that was the day he spoke to me. That was the day I was encountered with God from above. I didn't have to ask mom and dad, am I saved? I knew when he came into me and began to deal with me that there was something changed inside of me. 
That's the God that we serve, and that's what he's still doing today. But it says, upon the mountain, the thick cloud upon the mountain. Uh, let's see, where am I at? It says, verse 18, And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder. And Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. Ain't it funny? Moses ain't afraid. The presence of God's all over this mountain. But Moses ain't afraid to walk up to God. Why? He's already talked to God before. He met him at the, at the burning bush. He's watched him do all these miracles. He's heard his voice tell him what to do to the Pharaoh to, to proclaim one plague after another. He's heard his voice. So God's putting on a little show, but he's letting the people that are in doubt of whether or not God is really with them, he's showing them, look how powerful that I am. I mean, here's what I'm saying. Listen to me. God is powerful. We are not powerful, but he is powerful. Amen. Now, you know what? God still wants me to do some things in the natural. I know you don't want to hear this, but it's true. We all do stuff in the natural. You know, number one, he wants me to get up, fight off those feelings, and say, get up, get dressed, and go to church. You're supposed to be there today. You know? And that sometimes takes a wrestling match. But gee, you know, in my natural, you know, somebody said it, Bobby, years ago. Somebody asked somebody, took off running around the, sir, uh, the church. The guy that's happy. And, and they said, well, was that your flesh or was that was the spirit? And he said, I don't know what you want to call it. My spirit was so excited that my flesh said, let's go. And I took off running. So blame whoever you want to. How many knows God wants us to participate and put legs on our faith and take off? Sometimes that's what God wants. And he's not talking to everybody. Don't everybody try to run at once, but he's talking to the son. Isn't that true? He, see, you do stuff sometimes. You'll say to yourself, what did I do that for? I look so stupid. But if God lays it on your heart, don't worry about looking stupid. God knows exactly what he's trying to do, and he knows exactly who's looking at what's going on. And he's convincing you that I'm speaking to you, that God is speaking to your heart. Praise God. And it says the people, when they saw the mountain, the thunder, and all the noise, the people saw it, and they removed and stood afar off. And they said to Moses, Speak now with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you. That means to establish you as truth. He wants you to understand, I've chosen you. You're my people. Don't be afraid of me. I want you to come to me. Don't be afraid. This is the altar that we open the door the best that we know how. But the door's Jesus. It ain't opening the door to this church. It's opening the door to Christ. We have an altar call. That's for you. That's for me. Anybody that needs to pray. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, 
Thus thou shalt say to the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. I missed a verse. Let me go back to 20. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, that, and that his fear may be before your faces that you sin not. Before you become a Christian, you weren't afraid to sin. But when sin enters in now, you're afraid to sin. Why? You know you're displeasing God. And there's not too many kids here who was raised in a home where their parents were strict on them that don't know what I'm talking about. If you think your parents are going to find out what you did, you're scared to death. Because you know mom and dad's wrath is coming down on you. Well, God's wrath will come down on sin one day. But he's trying his best to let the people know. I want you to see the power of the mountain. I want you to see my power on the mountain. I want you to see the, the smoke, the shake, and everything about it. Why? Because I want you to understand that's how great I am. You don't even imagine how great God is. And God wants you to fear to sin. He wants you to have a fear about sin. This, this is a little different than what the church is teaching today. They're teaching that it's okay to sin. They're teaching it's okay to keep your sin. It's okay. To, uh, everybody's got sin. Everybody's got problems. It's okay. And I will tell you right now, that's not what God's teaching. God's teaching you, I will deliver you from your sin. On over in the 20th chapter. I was in the 20th. And the people stood afar off. Moses drew to the thick cloud where God was. Okay, I read that last one. Let's go to Kings, uh, 1 Kings 19th chapter. If you got your Bible. And I'm going to talk a little more to the Christian today. Because I want you to hear this. Elijah had saw all the power of God. Elijah was a prophet that had saw many mighty things that God had done. Elijah is the one that said, don't let it rain for three and a half years, and it never rained. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, what is it? Somewhere in there it talks about, I think it's in James. It talks about when Elijah was just a man like you and me. Yet when Elijah said not rain, it never rained for three and a half years. How many knows he knew God? And when God told him something, he followed through with it. Christian, we need to follow through with what God said. But we got to hear him. We got to be tuned into him. And Elijah goes up and, and he ends up, you know the story, he, he uh, called for the rain. It came back after three and a half years. And then he decided to call out all of Baal and all those prophets. And he called, had them to build an altar and he called fire down from heaven and licked up all of the water and everything that was poured over Elijah's uh, offering. He said, whoever, uh, it re whoever answers from, he uh, from heaven... Whichever God answers, and Elijah's God answered. And then he slew, he killed all of these prophets of Baal. 
And then the next day, Jezebel, this woman, king's wife, she says, tomorrow, if tomorrow you ain't like the rest of those that you just killed, more or less put a threat out to it. And what did Elijah do? The child of God, the man of God, the one that had saw the power of God. He ran into a mountain, into a cave, and hid himself. Wow, that sounds like us, don't it? God will do a thousand things for us, but it's that one more thing. The government's going to take my job. The government's going to do this. And we run scared to death. We worry, fret, fear, doubt begins to fill up. It says here, God came to him in the, mount, in the cave. He said, he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great wind rent with mountain, rent the mountain, and a, and break in pieces the rock before the Lord, and the Lord was not in the wind. And afterward, the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, there was a still, small voice. How many knows when God spoke to you, he spoke in a still small voice? He didn't do you like Moses. He didn't take you up into a mountain and light up a bush. He didn't do a lot of big things. You know, Apostle Paul was on the road to Damascus, had signatures to go and arrest all those people that's in the way of Christianity. Arrest them, bring them here, and we'll kill them. We're going to get rid of them. Apostle Paul's on the road to Damascus, and a great light shines down. Knocks him down, knocks him blind. God didn't call you that way, did he? But God spoke to Saul that day. God lit up his world. You wasn't called to be Paul. You're called to be you. And I want to tell you something. God ain't going to do miraculous things all the time because it ain't about the miraculous thing. Only time God does miraculous things is to show his power. And when he shows his power and his glory, he only confirms to the Christian. He don't have to put on a show for the world. You, if you think everybody's waiting on some miracle to happen for them to come to Christ, they won't come to Christ if a miracle happens. You've read it all through Scripture. It ain't the miraculous. It ain't the, if somebody comes back from the grave, like it was in uh, Luke 16, if he'll, if he'll come back from the grave and tell my brothers they won't come here. He said they've got Moses and they've got the law. they got the word and they got the gospel but they're still going to deny me. What am I telling you? I'm telling you there is a still small voice still speaking today. If you don't listen to the voice of God and quit looking for the fantastic. See, we got churches built, built on fantastic. Let's do something fanatical. Let's do something erratic. Let's do something that calls all the young people to want to go over and stand and jump and scream and holler every few minutes. And I'm going to tell you something, God's not impressed. 
God can do all kinds of things to make you jump and holler. Some of you don't want it to happen. But God's trying to get a hold of his people through the still small voice. He's trying to bring conviction to your heart. He's trying to change your inside, not your outside. Your outside will change when your inside begins to walk it. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave and behold, there came a voice and said to him, what doest thou here, Elijah? Sometimes God needs to tell us, what are you doing here? What are you doing where you're at? What's so important that you are, what is it inside of you that's causing you to be out of the will of God? I'm positive God never sent him to that mountain. You know what? I read it, read it, Bobby. I don't see it. I look at it like Elijah got out of the will of God and went up and ran and hid out of fear and doubt. And God was gracious and came to him and spoke to him and said, what are you doing here? I got a call on your life. I got a place for you to go. I got things for you to say and things for you to do. And you know what? He needs to say that to us sometimes. What are you doing here? He told Zechariah, when he answered Zerubbabel, he said, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. God speaks to us by the Spirit of God. When you hear the Spirit of God speaking, it may be you, the one that he's reaching. It may not be the one you think needs to hear it. It might be you that he's talking to. Listen to what he's saying. Because God's trying to do a work in every one of us. And we ain't finished. I'm not finished. You ain't finished. God's still working on me. I'm trying to skip through this. John the Baptist said, John answered saying unto them, all I, all I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I comes whose, that the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now people don't want to talk about the Holy Ghost or the Holy Ghost and fire. But I'm going to tell you something, other. If you're going to carry God with you, he'll come to you in the spirit of God. I may heard what I said. You've got to have the spirit of God inside of you. The Bible says if you believe and receive, the spirit of God is the promise of the gift of the Father. And it's coming. And it comes to everyone that will believe and receive him. John the Baptist knew, I can dip you down in this water, but when he comes, he's going to dip you into Christ, and he's going to dip you into the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's going to be in you, and there's going to be a fire that burns out the old man and puts in the new man. I mean, here's what I'm saying. We got to have this new nature. We got to have this new. We got to have this that comes from above. See, and it's what will change you. 
And it's the only thing that will change you. Sue testified about Duran changing. I remember when Duran changed. I can look at a lot of you. I can remember Mike Campbell changing. I can remember the change in people's lives. God took them from where they was and he opened up their eyes and they began to walk where he said walk. And all of a sudden things in their life change. They don't love the things they used to. They begin to care and have compassion for people that they don't even know. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has moved in. He wants to rest in you. He wants to live in you. He wants to show you the Father's will. He wants to reveal everything that Christ has did for you so you can walk in him. 2,000 years ago, listen to me, 2,000 years ago, every eye in heaven was on Golgotha. Listen to me. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was hanging on a cross. And all heaven was looking on. I don't think nobody was doing their job in heaven that day. I think they were all looking at the sun. They were looking down on earth. Why? Because Jesus was paying our price. Listen to me. You want to know how this spirit of God moves? You want to know how the spirit of God has been free to come and to encounter you and me? Because of what Jesus did. That's why all heaven was looking on. That's why the angels want to know about this thing that we have that they don't have. Because why? God's living in us. God has made up, he's made his home inside of us. This is the temple of the living God. Not anything we've done. It's what Jesus paid for. And when he cried with a loud voice and he yielded up a ghost, somebody mentioned this the other night, behold the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Not from the bottom to the top, from the top to the bottom. Who tore that tent? Who tore that opening? You know what they say? Josephus the historian or writer from back at that time, he wrote that it was that the curtain was 60 feet high. 60 feet high. And it was four inches thick. And they claim if you take that same thing and put uh, oxen on the sides, they cannot tear it in two. But God tore it when Jesus gave up the ghost. He, lied. he gave up his life. He tore that between. Why? Because he opened the door that we can go to God. I don't have to go through Moses. No, Jesus paid my price. He paid our price. He tore that curtain. We can go to God. He invites us to come to him. Come to the throne of God. See, something's wrong in the church when we are getting away from calling upon the Heavenly Father. When we come in Jesus' name and go to the Father and begin to make our request. 
I'm praying for my lost loved ones. I'm praying for my daughter. I'm praying for my grandchildren. Why? Because I know that he knows where they're at. I don't know. I don't know what's causing anybody to stop from coming and accepting Christ. But can I tell you something? He knows all about it and he's on the case. Because he hears the cry of his children. Jesus said, all things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knows the Son but the Father. Neither knows any man the Father save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal it. You can't know God without Jesus Christ. And you can't know Jesus Christ without the Father drawing to him. I mean, here's what I'm saying. God has set it up. The knowing is the part of that scripture that sticks out. You can't know either one of them until you accept the plan of God that was made for you and I. In Acts 10 chapter, Peter was called to go to Cornelius. He was given a dream. He saw animals come down on a sheet. And he, in the dream, he was told to kill and eat. But he said, no, I don't eat those animals. Jewish people don't eat those animals. But God says, what I call blessed is blessed. And he was saying something to him the day before he went on this trip. And he went to see Cornelius. And when he got there, he began to talk to Cornelius. And he began to tell him about Jesus because he didn't know what God was going to do other than God showed him this. And then he said, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things, Peter is saying, which he did both in, in the land of the Jews in Jerusalem, and they slew him and hung him on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he arose from the dead. He commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believes in him shall receive remission of sin. There's the key right there, whosoever. So it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what sin you come from. It doesn't matter what kind of family you came out of. If you come where Jesus speaks to your heart, guess what? You're invited to come to Jesus. Come and accept him as your Lord and Savior. And don't worry about the power. The power is his. Don't worry about whether you can do it. You can't do it. Not without him. Praise God. I can't get no credits for anything I do. Because the glory goes to him. Isn't that true? 
every blessed thing you got in your life, every trial you've went through and you've come out on the other side of that valley and you've been rejoicing and thanking God for the valley you went through, guess what? His glory goes to Jesus. Doesn't go to how good you were. Your children are living right, praise God. But listen to me, if they're living right, they're living right in Him. They're not living right because mom and dad did such a great job. I know you got a good thing, you got a work to do. But you better pray because the enemy's going to work and he's a lot stronger than you are, whether you know it or not. And he'll defeat you, your children, and the hundred things you tell them, listen to me, moms and dads, the hundred things you tell them right, the devil will come out with that 101. And 101 will cause them to lure, lure them right into something that you said, I don't remember teaching them that. I never thought that. It's somebody else's fault. You know what? Get it in your mind. The devil's after you. He's after yours. He's after mine. It says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, Jewish people, which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. Why am I reading that? I'm reading that because we fall under the Gentile area. And I want you to know the door's open to us. Cornelius was trying his best to pay his alms and, and believe in the God of the, of the Israel. So God sent Peter to him. And when Peter began to tell him about Jesus... Guess what happened? The Holy Spirit, just like on the day of Pentecost, fell upon the Gentiles. And he's been falling on people ever since. And he's been revealing. And this supernatural's been meeting the, meeting the natural by the Spirit of God, by faith in Christ. If you'll believe him and you'll receive him, you'll receive the Spirit of God. You know what? That's a simple message. But we can't get off of that. We can't go to some other doctrine. We can't preach Jesus another way. It's the only way. It's his way. Praise God. Come on back up, baby. There's a scripture that says, fear not them that kills the body. How many ever heard that? Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. We fear all these things. I sat and watched this story this morning on the news, some father died of a, of a brain tumor and the family were having some kind of a thing together for him for so many years they put together some 
thing to honor him. But I thought to myself, as hard, hard as it is to lose a loved one, and I've lost many of friends and family, but as hard as it is to lose them, I'm not worried about the death of this body. I'm worried about the death of the soul, the spirit. When we don't accept Christ and we don't accept him inside of us, we're losing our way. Now, why am I telling you this? If you have not the spirit of God, you're none of his. I didn't, I didn't, this ain't my words, this is God's words. It says in Romans 8, 16, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The spirit of God has got to be in you. Now, I'm not trying to question your salvation. I'm not trying to question anything. I'm just telling you, don't push away what God's got for you. Don't push away what God's trying to do in your life. I need more of him every day. I need more of his spirit. I need more of, and you know what? I don't think the spirit's limited. I just limit him sometimes. You know what? We need, we need him every day. He's the voice that I need to hear from. I was telling Dave, I was telling your father yesterday, he was telling me the same thing. I got to talking to Dave's father yesterday. They're from Erie, Pennsylvania. And he was telling me how God brought him through a bad car wreck and basically changing his job. And I told him that's the same thing God did to me. I said, I was working, thinking I had a year, something other to retire. And all of a sudden, I couldn't make that year. The doctor's telling me I had to quit. And I laid off for 10 days straight. I had no idea what to do. As soon as the doctor told me that a few weeks ago, before that, I went right back to work. I decided, hey, you don't know what he's talking about. I can make another year. Went right on back to work. But two days into my work after that, my back started going out again. And I was afraid that I'd fall on the tracks out on the train. So I decided I had to lay off. And I just marked off, went home and sat there. And I kept telling my wife, I got to do something. I got to do something. I got to call and tell somebody. And I told Dave, I told your father, I wrestled with it for those 10 days, praying God show me what to do. And I would have, I could have went to my father, I could have went to many of you, friends, and they just said it probably, oh yeah, you're all right, go ahead and quit. But see, I couldn't take that. I was trying to hear what God wanted me to do. I couldn't leave. You know, most of you say, I'd leave in a minute. Yeah. I said that a thousand times till it came up to me. One morning I got up and I told you I got to call somebody. I called a boss down at my work. His name was Tom. And I said, Tom, this is Tim. Why did I call him? I can tell you why I called him. Two years before that, he called me in his office. He had 
not been there as long as I had been there, but he called me in his office. He said, I hear you're a Christian. I said, yeah. And he said, I want you to come here every morning. I want you to pray with me every morning. For a boss to say that, I almost fell out of my chair. But every, every time we got the opportunity, we were sitting in his office praying. And that went on for two years. So I thought when I woke up that day, I got to call him. And I called him. He was second in charge down Cincinnati in the railroad. And I called him. And I said, Tom, I got to tell you something. He said, what is it? And I said, I got a bad back. And I know you don't want me out on the tracks. But I don't know what to do with myself. And you know what? The Spirit of God come across that phone. Because he said to me, Tim, you worked 38 years here. You don't owe us nothing. You do exactly what God tells you to do. Don't you worry about the rest of it. It'll work out. I'll take care of your paperwork. Don't you worry about none of that. I started crying. You know why? Nobody else could have said that to me but him. He was an official and he told me, it's okay to go ahead and do what God's telling you to do. And you know what? I, I, I kind of worried at first, but I knew that was God answering my prayer. And I went about six or seven months, no check, no nothing. Didn't know how he was going to make it. We not only made it through it, but six or seven months, I didn't have to go to one doctor. I didn't have to do nothing. He took care of everything. My doctor took care of everything. And they retired me. Got my checks six, seven months later, just like I was working. You say, that's, that's a great story. You know, I was hanging on the thread. Me and Shirley never had a lot of money saved. Never had no money saved. But the truth is, God knew when I needed to leave. And the Holy Spirit worked that out for me. And the Holy Spirit will work out everything in your life. What you fear and doubt about the day, you give it to God. He'll take care of you. Can I tell you, God, you know what? Since then, I, I found a way to even get up and walk every day. My back don't usually go out. God's helped me all the way around. So I told Dave's father yesterday, I said, it was almost like God opened the door, and they had to kick me through. But once I got through it, I realized it was God all the way. You know what? Let God have a chance in your life. He can be Lord. Not only your Savior, but he can be Lord of your life. You can trust him. He'll take care of you. Everybody stand if you will. There's, a big, there's an old song for Betty Sing. It goes, how big is, no, it's too high. Give me a lower key. It's gone, no, it's too low. <laughs> how, how big is God? How big and bright is vast to try and tell these lips can only start. Oh, he's big enough to rule this mind. 
to do it all, but he wants to live in you. Isn't that beautiful? And you know what? He will never leave you nor forsake you. When you invite him in, it's for eternity. And when you read in the book of Revelation about all of those worshiping at the feet of Jesus, you're going to be in that crowd. Amen. Don't you know that? We're going to have something to leap and to have fun about. We're going to enjoy our eternity. Some say, I don't want to live forever. I'm bored. Not up there you won't be. You won't be bored in heaven. And you won't get tired. And you won't get sore and have to lay down and take a nap. I, I know how old people are. I as one. Praise God. While they sing, if you need to come and pray, you come. Empty and broken 